Hey guys, welcome to Snack Circle. Happy Monday, everyone. Before we jump into this week's episode, I wanted to give a quick disclaimer that this week's audio is not as great as it has been in the past. Jordan and I are still working out the kinks of recording long distance and all that fun stuff. So just hang in there with us. We promise next week will be better. Thanks for tuning in and all your support and let's jump into this week's episode. Hi, and welcome to Snack Circle. Grab a snack and let's hang out. Oh my goodness. Today, we are going to be talking teaching. Jordan is going to just sit down with us and share all the things about teaching in public school, how it was teaching through a global pandemic, and the aftermath of all of that, just everything she's been going through basically since graduation. So I'm just going to ask her some and. Um, she's going to give you guys that teacher perspective. So whether you are a teacher or you just sympathize with teachers and know why, maybe you don't even think about teaching too much or public education, I think this will be a really good episode. Awesome. But before we jump into our talk topic, Marin, what have you been doing this week? Oh my goodness. Okay. It was Halloween. Um, so... Every year we just do trick-or-treating and Paxton's like at that awkward age where he doesn't really know what trick-or-treating is. I mean, obviously we don't even really let him eat candy. And so So, we like attempted to trick-or-treat and we like took a picture with all the kids and then we just kind of went back to our house and like candy. But he was a little Air Force pilot. He looks so cute. Top Gun, and I guess that Top Gun is the Navy, so... No, Top Gun is Air Force. No, I think it's Navy. They're like the Navy that they they land on the... On the ships. The ships. Wait, I'm dumb. I'm going to be canceled for that. I just saw it. No, I didn't know anything about military branches either. I thought Air Force was the only one who had planes and who flew, but even like the Army... Okay. Okay. Yeah. We're learning a lot no, here. I, no, literally, anytime I'm around Nick's family, they're like, "You are a civilian." They're like, "You are so clueless." I'm like, "Wait, so at FC five, I'm like, how does everyone know the name of these planes?" No, seriously, we we don't know. <laughs> but um, he was wearing Nick's flight suit because Nick's dad was a fighter pilot in the Air Force, and when he was stationed in. South Korea, he had like a little tiny one-year-old suit, like a direct replica of his suit. So we have that for Paxton now. And what else is it an excusable time to just put him in a little suit? Um, so yeah, we did that. And then we had a chili cook-off. I did not win. Um, I put red wine in it. And I really thought that would be like the winner. Like I'm like, there's yeah. red wine and butter in it. Like who Gourmet. I did not win. I did not place. And then we've been watching the World Series. Oh. You know, the Astros are... Gotta, gotta watch it. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. And then um, we've been watching Drink Masters on Netflix. It's like a bartender competition show. It's really good. It's very interesting. Fun. I fell down the rabbit hole of, like, the baristas that compete like internationally and it's like the barista competition Mm. and 
like you can watch them on YouTube like they're because they have to memorize like a little speech and present their coffees and so interesting I don't even drink coffee I don't you know me (laughs) I know nothing about coffee but it's so fascinating and like they have them sniff it and they have to like swirl it and they do the art I'm like man to be so good at something like that amazing we went to a coffee one time it was right before March of 2020 and it's so funny because everyone like has their tasting spoons and they're all just like dipping their spoons and their cups and I'm like that did not age well but um, <laughs> they're like okay they would like tell the judges stir it seven it's times so specific that I'm like yeah what does that do like what if we do an eight or a nine like it is, it's so cool to see someone like you said like that's just really good at what they do and they're bringing yeah, it for sure a level of perfectionism that I could never dream of <laughs> not in my makeup Mm-mm. well Halloween worst holiday to be a teacher for sure tough tough <laughs> especially on a Monday like it was not ideal but yeah. we actually we dressed up Friday and then we had fall festival which was fun but it was like I mean, I worked seven to seven, basically. It was a long day. And the kids were so cute and hyper and precious. But then Monday, like, they couldn't wear their costumes, but they knew they were trick-or-treating. And that was like, they just had to make it to the end of the day. They knew that. We knew that. I was a little, like, overzealous. I was like, we'll do watercoloring and we'll do pumpkin math. And like, no, like we were lucky to get through one thing every hour. Like it was, we were not doing what I thought we were going to do. So we really had to adjust that. But like in my head, I'm like, we did so much on the holidays in elementary school. So I'm always like, I need to make sure that these kids like have, you know, the the holiday parties of their dreams. And Mm -hmm. really like, they just want, you know, one piece of candy and to like watch a, a show. Like they're like, yeah. why would we be doing all this arts and crafts? And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm valid. That's so funny. we did that. Yeah. And then today we were just surviving, honestly. I ate probably 10 of those little Halloween Twizzlers because like those are the only Twizzlers I really love are the little Halloween ones. So I told all the kids, the bring me those. Ones? <laughs> No, they're like the little ones. It's like double. They're red and they're like the short ones and there's two in a pack. And they only sell them around Halloween. And I I think they taste drastically different from other Twizzlers. So I ate a ton of those. And that's pretty much all we've been up to. So just tell us about like your early first few months of choose that school that was best for you. And when you did get transferred, how that situation happened and where you're at now and just fill us in. So I did my student teaching in the fall semester, which I wouldn't really recommend. It is nice because you see like your mentor teacher set up the classroom, but I was going to graduate in December and then I was like, man, like I need to start working in January. So I kind of was like, maybe I'll sub or do something, but ideally I wanted to work right away. And so I just went to a job fair because I'm sure every district just has these job fairs where they're like, please come, come interview with principals. Like we are really needing teachers in this country. So I went to a job fair 
and they, you do a little interview with someone, like someone from the district, and then right away they were like, we have a principal that we want. I think they actually let me leave. Like, they were like, thank you. Like, we'll get, like, back to you. So I was driving back student teaching because it was, like, a school day, and they called me, and they were like, actually, we just called a principal. Like, they want to meet with you immediately. So I was like, oh, so I, like, made a U-turn, like, drove back to the place, and the principal was there. And she told me about the position. It was a primary position, which I wanted and offered me the job starting in January, which was like perfect because I didn't want to leave my student teaching. I wanted to finish student teaching. And then I wanted to start teaching after I graduated. So got hired on the spot and was able to start teaching in January. Like I think like three weeks after I graduated college, I went right into teaching in January of 2020, the most cursed time to begin your teaching career or any career probably. Yeah. What, so you decided to go to a public school, what of a private or like a Montessori or a charter school? Mm-hmm. I, well, I think we're both like this, but I love public school. Like I went to public school, kindergarten through 12th grade. My mom taught in public schools. My dad went to public schools. My mom went to public schools. We went to a public university. I really believe in the mission of public schools. I think that our countries can only thrive as much as our schools thrive. And I really just believe in the mission of children that are different from one another, learning together. I think that that gets lost in private schools a lot no offense to private schools my sister went to one (laughs) but and then charter schools hit or miss we don't have a great charter school selection um there's a really great documentary called waiting for superman about charter schools and about how hard it is to get into charter schools particularly in places where the public schools are failing and i watched that early on in my education degree and just decided public would be the way for me. It's it's very scrappy. It's very, we make do with what we have, but I really think that when the public schools fail, the community fails and I love this community. So at this time, ACT is so much more than a school, um, especially in communities where schools are labeled as Title I schools, so they receive additional funding Um, if the majority of kids live below the poverty line. And so I, as a teacher, was used to, you know, your students getting their teeth checked at school, their eyes checked, their ears checked. They get, um, like, clothing brought to them and shoes. And the kids eat breakfast and lunch for free if they stay for after school. At my first school, they got dinner, too, and they always get a snack provided So all those things kind of like stopped, especially at the beginning, because we went online so abruptly and it was like, oh, we're going for three weeks. Remember, like we're going to flatten the curve in three weeks. And we were like, okay, an extended spring break. And then we literally never returned. So Mm -hmm. our community for a while, I think just really suffered because parents as were a lot of them were essential. A lot of them worked like in jobs where they were not working from home. You know, mm-hmm. they, they couldn't do that. They were having to go to their jobs. 
so kids were just alone, <laughs> went from having all this support from all these different adults in their lives that they see every day to being alone on a computer all day, every day. Um, even though our district, the way that we did it, and maybe all of New Mexico, I'm not sure, we only were on, they had to be online with us for an hour for our class. And then after that, everything else was small groups and they were technically optional because not everybody had a computer. Um, so like siblings, they didn't want siblings to have to be on at the same time. And there were all these different things that went into our planning. But then we're like, well, these little kids have are on these computers unmonitored, you know, largely for so many hours a day, which is kind of a nightmare, like literally children alone on the internet. Like that's mm -hmm. horrifying to think about. So it was like they went from all this support to nothing so quickly. But I mean, what were we to do about it? You know, and and as time went on, they developed programs like the bus drivers started dr driving like their food to them, like and they would drop them off, drop off food at the bus stops. And um, definitely, like I said, public schools are scrappy, like we made it work as time went on. But especially at the beginning, it was like, Whoa, like, I think people really realized on a national scale, like how much public schools do for children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's not just them coming to school and being with us. Like there's so much that we provide for them that they're not getting at home. You know, if they don't, mm -hmm. they don't have to get it at home. They can get it from us. So it was pretty staggering and startling um, and really scary for us to just kind of not know where our kids were for a long time. Right. So what happened with the kids who didn't have internet access in their home? So our district paid for like anybody could get internet through the district for free. I think they even sent us like a stipend for our internet. So they made it as accessible as they could. I mean, like our admin was, had been sent like literally buying kids desks, like, whatever we could do to get these kids on the computer for their little hour class, they were doing it. But there, you know, there were kids that never came that we never saw that, yeah. you know, they just couldn't do it. There, the, there was no one to get them on. And I teach five and six year olds. So it's not like they were logging on themselves, getting the, you know, it was impossible. Mm -hmm. Crazy. So did you ever have a student that was on your roster that you just never saw at all? Mm -hmm. I never heard from multiple. a parent. Yeah, wow. multiples. For, and that wasn't just my class. I mean, that was everybody. And you, tech, legally, we had to call them every week and nothing, you know, for any number of reasons. Just never saw them, never heard from them. Did the law still uphold that? Like truancy. There's like truancy yes, law. truancy. So did truancy it was, still stand? Well, truancy was a nightmare that year because... I mean, if I had multiple students just on my roster, every class and every school and every district had a couple. So it's like, how was anybody supposed to take care of that? How was, you know, CPS or anybody supposed to go check on that many children? So mm -hmm. that part was a nightmare because you just didn't know what was happening for so long. And... Some of those kids, like, you knew them. You saw them at school, and then you never saw them again. You know, 
how can we blame families for that? Because it was, that's not really school. It was crisis schooling. Like we were crisis schooling. It, everyone was like, oh, we're homeschooling. Like this is homeschooling. Parents are homeschooling. I'm like, this is not homeschooling. Okay. Like this is crisis schooling. Like, I don't know how to homeschool your kid. You don't know how to homeschool your kid. None of us bought a homeschool curriculum. This is crisis mm. schooling. This is us continuing the school as best we can. Um, it It's not ideal. It was not ideal. And it was crazy. And we had every day we had probably like 30 people on the zoom because it would be like the kids and whoever was watching them and their siblings and their dog and their baby sister and baby sister has no clothes. And we're like, okay, trying to like <laughs> turn off the camera, mute yourself. We can hear law and order SVU in the background. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> you oh, never knew someone swearing. Like it was crazy. We, they would like be like in their car seat in Walmart, like cause families had to live their lives while their yeah. kid, you know, was at school, I'm like, okay, well, they're like showing us the toy aisle. I'm like, this is really, and I'm just trying to continue on, you know, just trying yeah. to lead this class. Our principal pops on for an observation and you're just, I think nobody knew what to do. The district's like, uh, just, you know, try to make it as normal as possible. So I would just sit in my little back room and make it as normal as possible. And the nice thing about kindergarten is they didn't know anything else. Um, and I remember when we like got the go ahead that we were going to come back, it was kind of zero to a hundred. They were like, after spring break, everybody's in person, no matter what, like you have to come back, your kids have to come back. And um, we were giving out like our last set of paper packets. So we would stand outside the school with our masks on and parents would drive up and like get their paper packets of activities for the kids and one of our my little friends was like so we're gonna go inside there like pointing to the school and I'm like yeah we're gonna go inside now he's like and I'm gonna have a desk and a chair and I was like yeah like we're gonna have desks and chairs and he was like wow like he couldn't even believe that that was real because he'd only ever seen mm -hmm. that like on you know on tv or whatever so like the idea of him having a desk and chairs and like a pencil and not sitting at his you know island or his little counter at his house he's like oh my gosh we're doing it so kinder was I mean it was horrible to be online but when we came back I almost feel like we had it the best because they didn't know anything else so to them, they were like, this is awesome. Like, they didn't care that they were masked and isolated and at their own desks and all that because they were like, this is what school is. And we're like, not really, but it is for you. It's sweet to see kids, like, having that excitement to, like, want to learn and, like, be in that environment and being with friends. and Yeah, cool. and just making friends, like, seeing each other. They had all these rules for us about them staying you know a certain feet apart or all these things but I mean they're five like they couldn't but when they when they walked into the room they couldn't believe it because they had just been seeing a, a picture of each other on the screen for almost yeah. a full year so to see each other in person they were like beside themselves they couldn't believe it that we were all real people and we got Aww. to like be together in the room it was the best. Sweet. I think it, is it before the age of six that kids 
difference between like make believe or reality like so if they like see a dragon on tv they're like that dragon is real versus that's definitely like an early childhood thing i wonder if for kindergartners it was like that where they're just like this really real like these friends are real i always tell the story that that year for christmas my aide and i went around to their houses we did like a christmas tour like we dressed up as elves and wore our masks and would go to their driveways and hand them out their little Christmas gifts that we had gotten them. And we thought like, I don't know how I expected them to react, but we just weren't real people to them before that. Like we really were like blippy or like, you know, like Jack Hartman, like one of those people that like they see on their screen and they're like, okay, like a character, you know? Yeah. So when we like were at their house, like with their moms being like, hey, they were terrified. Like they liked it, but they were also like, what's going on? Like, I think it really altered their like thinking because they're like, you are not real though. Like you, you don't exist outside of my computer and here you are in my driveway. So yeah, it was like, it was just so bizarre and so weird, but they didn't know that. They're like, wow, my life is, (laughs) my life is so exciting. And we were like, it's about to get more exciting. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. You're probably like a superstar to them. They're like, Miss Hill, oh my gosh. (laughs) but that they're terrified of though they were like (laughs) didn't didn't know you had legs (laughs) you had legs because they didn't ever really see me stand up yeah they're like yeah that is so funny so now that y'all are back and this year was like your first fall teaching right like in person yeah well last year was our first year in person but last year was still we were still doing our social distancing and everything okay so this year has been like the first like normal back to kind of like when we went to kindergarten yeah exactly how has that been teaching it's been interesting I I know that like everyone can well, maybe not everyone, but I think that I know that I've changed after the pandemic. And I think that that's kind of universal, that we're all Mm -hmm. a little different after that experience. And so children as a whole are a little different after that experience, because their lives, their early childhood was shaped by something that was totally out of their control, totally out of their parents' control. Um, And so I think it's what has been, it's a hard adjustment for them. It's harder socially, I think for all children, but particularly little kids who never knew anyone else really. Um, And so it's been tricky socially to get them because I am so quick to think like, this is not how it should be. Like, this is not where they should be at this time. Like they should be at a some their social skills should be higher but it's like oh that's that normal that we knew doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. that level of like social understanding isn't going to be there um and so it's been a lot of like 
adjusting. And so I'm so interested, like, even like for Paxton, like your son, how it's going to be different for him and his friends, just even having parents who, because Paxton was born basically in the pandemic at the end, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they all grow up and when, and if we ever go back to normal or if this is our normal, you know, forever. So mm-hmm. it's been interesting. Do you think that curriculum and standardized testing will change because of this change they're singing? Like it should be updated. Like that would be a that would be a hope, but there's a lot of money involved in that. I think that ideally we would learn from the situation that learning is very fluid and isn't as concrete as we thought because life is not very concrete and a lot of things affect learning um not just the pandemic like there are a lot of things that keep children from scoring certain scores and this is like a global reminder of that so Mm -hmm. in a perfect world we would adjust the way that we test and we would adjust the way that our standards are set but you know we're just gonna cross our fingers for that one that the people at the top kind of see what went what went on the last few years and and make adjustments for sure so do you feel like ever frustrated in that business or like with all the standardized testing or do you like just say you know that's just part of it I'm just gonna ignore that half and like push through or always go back to we need to do what's best for kids and sometimes what's best for kids is just shutting your door putting your head down and teaching and just ignoring Mm -hmm. and then sometimes what's best for kids is saying like y'all this isn't right like we need a change like we need to stand up and and make changes here so I think it's up to us and our personal convictions but I always am just thinking like what's best for my kids in my room like Mm -hmm. these little children in front of me is this an issue that affects them is this an issue that I need to be publicly speaking out about Um, Mm -hmm. but I'll always be pro public school forever Mm -hmm. you know even if like Mm -hmm. years from now I teach in a different setting because of the children that I've met and known and that I will love forever like Mm -hmm. you can't help but be pro public school if you've worked in a public school even though there's Mm -hmm. issues there's so many problems and and um it's very high stress because it's political and because people like to I, people like to demonize teachers and demonize, villainize the public schools. But when you're in them, I mean, it's their children. Like, you, it, we, we, mm-hmm. we work with children. Like, you, I would do anything for them. You know, we would take bullets mm-hmm. for them. That's how it is in the classroom. So I think I always just have to go back to what's right for the kids. What do the kids need from me? And we do the best we can with what we have. And if I didn't love it, I wouldn't do it. (laughs) And if you don't Mm -hmm. love it, you shouldn't do it. Yeah, I love that a lot. I love the idea of just 
and ignoring all the extra just focusing on your kids and like each one of them is unique and special and they're right in front of you and because mm-hmm. to them they don't know anything on the outside like Mm-mm. to them like being an elementary school teacher like I I mean I can probably list every single teacher I've ever had and you know your elementary school you spend more hours with them than you you do your parents sometimes definitely it's it's a stressful system and and people get burned out quickly and I think that change is necessary and I do think that we're due for change and due for kind of an overhaul in our public school system and I think that was always going to come to light that there are a lot of issues that need to be solved but the pandemic just made everything way more apparent and way more clear but yeah, we, I mean, we do it for those little kids, those little kids that, like you said, you spend so much time with them, you know everything about them, and mm-hmm. you can't help but fall in love with them, so. Just from the outside looking in, there's so many parents who, oh my gosh, like, I need to respect, like, my kids' teacher more, <laughs> like, I had no idea that this is, like, how much they did, or... And, you know, this is coming from, like, a two-parent household where they both, like, have jobs that they work from home and have the ability to be flexible and swap out and help teach their be there Mm -hmm. and getting them on the Zoom calls and help sitting down with them, reading with them every night. And those parents are like, wow, like, just, like, it really opened their eyes to how much teachers do and how much schools do. And I think as a country, we those kids going hungry or we started to see those kids without their vision checks or without their like special classes for like their language Mm -hmm. um, you know like their IEPs and stuff and you know getting their teeth checked it's like oh who is doing that oh yeah schools were doing that like the schools that you don't want to have funding and you don't want teachers salaries to increase yeah that's like where these resources are coming from yeah, exactly. That's like one blessing from it all. That do you feel like you've seen any change from that? Or do you think it's kind of been all talk? I think where I see the most change is honestly like in parents. I feel like the like relationships between parents and teachers have changed so much. Like when I first started teaching before the pandemic, I feel like it had gotten to a place where there was like, it was all email and text communication and you didn't really communicate with parents unless, you know, something was wrong or, or anything like that. But during the pandemic, like I taught with an audience, like I taught in front of those parents every day, you know, they were sitting on the zoom too, like, and I really developed a bond with those parents because we were all just trying to make it work. And so I think ever since then, we've had a really good bond with parents because, like you said, parents saw what we do on a daily, but also like I saw what parents were doing. Like I am not mm-hmm. a parent and I was amazed at parents working their jobs and then trying to help their kindergarten kindergartner learn how to read and write their name and count to mm-hmm. 20 and all the things that we were trying to teach them. I think that in my experience, and I know that's not everyone's experience, but it gave me a better understanding of like to these parents their kids are everything and I think it gave parents a better lens into like we give everything we can too like we're 
all on mm-hmm. the same team, which people can forget. Teachers and parents can feel like on opposite ends of the spectrum for their kid, but really like we're just working for those babies like to get them educated. So I feel like that's the best thing that came out of the pandemic is like, I'm not afraid to talk to parents or have conversations with parents. And I really want to develop a relationship with them. And I feel like parents want to do that more now too, after the pandemic, Mm -hmm. because we were not able to, and then now we are. Yeah, just like growing in that mutual respect and just then having that open communication or that you're able to call a parent and they're not just like, oh, what happened today? But instead it's like, no, yeah. let's just like chat because it's not all mm-hmm. on you and it's not all on me, but we're a team. That's really special. Exactly. Get that boundary and do that. Yeah, definitely. It's, it is special. What fun things are you excited for in your classroom that are coming up? Like Thanksgiving's coming up. Do you guys do any fun things? Yeah. Oh my goodness. This is like, the best time of year in the classroom I think is fall and then winter we are doing day of the dead stuff this week which they love all our little like sugar skulls and Mm. then we'll go into Thanksgiving which you know we we touch on Thanksgiving and we tell the truth about Thanksgiving I'm like we have to be careful in kindergarten like kind of skirt skirt around um thanksgiving and then we'll do all the winter holidays and i mean the best thing about public school is like we celebrate every holiday like because Mm. it's so important that we do that that we talk about christmas and hanukkah and kwanzaa Mm -hmm. and diwali and day of the dead and halloween like we talk about everything that could be relevant to them um and so that just means more parties for us, like more <laughs> celebrations. And um, and it's so good for them to learn about each other. And so we have all the fun things coming up. The year's mm-hmm. like almost halfway over. I know. it's That is insane. Like, I feel like they're growing up in front of our eyes, which they always do. But it's mm-hmm. crazy. I can't even imagine, like, why well, I, I can because I watch your son. I watch Paxton. Mm-hmm. But like being a parent because even like these kids I'm like oh my gosh did you grow like you're getting tall you're you're huge even from the beginning of the year from July (laughs) the beginning of the year July (laughs) I know so sad sad. last little thoughts that you have and been thinking about I think my last thing is support your public schools like please don't let yourselves fall into the rhetoric of public schools are trying to indoctrinate or Mm -hmm. that public schools want to take away parents rights like all these things that kind of float around um just not true (laughs) we that's just not happening on a large scale you know there I'm sure there's bad egg teachers of course like in every profession Mm -hmm. but on a large scale, like we are genuinely there to do the best by kids with parents in tandem, like wanting to work with parents, wanting to educate these kids and give them the best life possible so that they can grow up and be the best adults possible so we can have the best country possible. That's what public schools are. And so I just urge people to 
use your critical thinking when you think about public schools and not fall into this like really Facebook mom hole yeah Facebook mom new graphic is being shared on Facebook with zero information attached to it right because there's just a lot of misinformation and a lot of people believing things that are not true and Mm -hmm. if you want to know what goes on in a public school go sub I mean (laughs) or if you want to know what's happening in your child's classroom go because like we want parents there I want parents to see what we do every day and Mm -hmm. support your public schools so that your kids can grow up and be educated and make the most educated choices when they're voting and when they're moving forward with their careers so we love public school it's not perfect we are working on it at all times but those little babies deserve the best education that we can give them Mm -hmm. yeah it's not their fault they didn't choose to be a part of a system that can be so controversial like it's up to us as the adults like it is with anything like kids like let kids be kids let them have childhoods like yes not make any decision like we are adults <laughs> it is up to us to guide them and to be that sounding board to protect the resources that benefit so many of them and not just get caught up in whatever conspiracy theories going around exactly one thousand percent I like public school I want Pax to go to a public school right now we live an hour from a public school <laughs> but I I've even thought like if he if we still live where we live, I would love to like work with the school and be like look, him like two days a week and like teach him at home for three days. Like we literally live sixty miles from here, but because I'm so like funny. I do not want to homeschool this kid. Like we need to go have some. <laughs> it's friends. not for everybody, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I know some great kids that were homeschooled. Like I think it works for some people, but that's tough and and public school works for some people too like and charter school works for some people like I think you have to do what's best for your kids but Mm -hmm. don't count out the public schools just because you read a Facebook post (laughs) yeah and Nick was homeschooled and like I have a teaching degree so I feel pretty competent confident competent to teach him but yeah I just want him to go learn from somebody else like that's my whole thing is like I would love the idea of like let's go to the river and like study biology and let's like integrate our lesson plans and go do like environmental science like in the environment all those really fun things that I wish like there was time and space in like a public school classroom to do that yeah but then I'm like you and me together all day like (laughs) sir I love you so 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 much but I think that you would want to teach you in your life because mm-hmm. and that's valid <laughs> yeah that is very valid yeah it's so special like that bond of like a student and their teacher and like their little classmates and like their little school pride and um mm-hmm. like getting excited for like jump rope day or getting to dress up for Halloween and I just don't feel like I could create that special of experience teens the way that a school does yeah. we'll see what we do with him next week we're gonna be talking about how I didn't know my baby's gender I was told the wrong gender the entire time I was and when he was born he was a boy and not a girl and so I'm gonna be just telling that story because it 
as well (laughs) it's always a fun one always shocks people like I feel like I'm just the reason people never believe their ultrasounds or they Mm -hmm. photos and like panicking or um, so I'm just (laughs) no I'm the problem but yeah I'm just going to be sharing my story dealing with that and um, postpartum life because I'm really passionate about women's health and women's rights and health when they're having a baby I feel like there's a lot of obstetric abuse in our country you know and it goes into I mean this is beyond having a baby but even just like how women aren't taken seriously when they go to the doctor they're told they're being dramatic so I'm just gonna Mm -hmm. be sharing like my postpartum journey because everyone wants to talk about being pregnant and how fun and cute it is and it is so fun and it's so cute but I just don't think we talk about postpartum life enough and it's not normalized enough and most women within that first year of their children being alive and I think that we just it's a conversation worth having okay should be very very interesting I can't wait to interview you it's my turn (laughs) um leave us a review and um, that just helps other people find our podcast if you enjoyed it rate it five stars if and if you didn't like it, then uh, just leave. Don't rate it. <laughs> yeah, and shout out to everyone that's been telling us that they've listened. Like, so many people in my life have told me that they've been listening, and that's so sweet. So thank yeah. you for listening. So we'll see you next week, and right. bye.